If I can get that. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Can we give these guys a hand? Thank you. So you can catch them. If you have a student in middle school or high school, you can catch these guys on Wednesday night at 6.30. Also on Sunday mornings, uh, they have a thing called the in-between because it happens in between services. And so in between services from about what, Kate, 10 15 to about 10 45, about 30 minutes there, they're doing a Bible study. And so uh, we invite you to let your uh, student uh, check out what's going on. Uh, we also have next door, we have our Grow Kids uh, ministry happening. And Miss Bella right here, Bella, can you stand up? Yeah, you weren't expecting me to do this. I know you're like a deer caught in headlights. But Bella is, uh, is uh, one of our, our workers here at the church. She's on staff here, but she helps lead our kids' ministry. And so she's needing some help. How many of you love kids? I want to ask that one more time. How many of you love kids? Now, how many of you guys that love kids think that kids should know Jesus? All right, and it's not just her job to make sure that happens. And we need your help. And so, if you would be willing to help serve in kids' ministry, serve in the nursery, serve on Wednesday night kids' ministry, we could use your help because it takes more than just Bella to make this thing happen. As great as Bella is, and we think that Bella is great, it takes more than Bella to make this thing happen, and so we need your help. And so you can see Bella, you can see Taylor, uh, there's a, uh, you can see any of our staff and want to try to get plugged in in any of those places. We would love to help you get connected. But this morning, we are going to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15, and I want you to go ahead and start turning there. Now, we've been in a series called Lost. Uh, for the last few weeks, and we've been talking about the lost parables of Jesus, and they're not the lost parable of Jesus because they're missing. Uh, they're the lost parables because he took uh, all this time to talk about lost things. He talked about lost sheep. We talked about the first week. Last week, we talked about the lost coin. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about the lost son or the prodigal son. You may know it like that. And actually, I'm going to say the lost sons because I think both sons in this story are lost at different points in, in, in time. And so uh, if you've got your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11. Before I get there, how many of you parents, you've ever had trouble keeping up with your kids? Anybody ever left them anywhere? On accident, on accident. <laughs> got to qualify that. Got to qualify. Yeah. You know, some sometimes parents we walk away, and um, our kids, um, you know, they don't follow us, right? And sometimes uh, we have where we we turn around and maybe they run off and. And I used to go hide in the clothes racks when my mom was at the department store. I would get in, you know, the little circular racks. I would go get in the center of it to stand there until she would freak out and like. Ryan, where are you at? You know, anybody do that to your parents? You know, that's, yeah, okay. Uh, one day I was standing up on the, uh, they had the, where the mannequins were at, and I just stood up there like that with a mannequin. She walked right by me, didn't even notice. <laughs> you know, it's bad stuff. I, I have repented of all those sins, uh, and my mom loves me, I think, sometimes. But sometimes uh, we have trouble finding our children uh, because maybe they, they run off. Um, 
And this story is somewhat about a runaway. It's about uh, a son who decides he wants to run off and do his own thing. And maybe you've lived that story. Maybe you've had uh, family members who have lived that story that they have run off and decided, hey, I'm going to go do my own thing. I want to do it my own way. And I think Jesus, he has a lot to say to us through the story. So let's go to verse 11. Now, I'm going to read all the way down uh, through uh, verse 32. And so I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't give you guys that in the early service, so maybe make sure we have all the way to verse 32 here as we go through this. But we're starting in verse 11. It says, And he said, uh, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, or maybe your translation says when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? And I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, just cutting him off, but the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, that's a part of the story that maybe you've heard. Maybe you've, you've, you don't have to be a church person to kind of know the story of the prodigal son. But there is this last part of the story. I want to go ahead and read you and Jesus continue on. And he said, now his older brother was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. And because he has received him back safe and sound. And he was angry. The brother was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father. He says, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, you see that? He says, say, when my brother. He says, when this son of yours came uh, who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that as is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found so these stories that we've looked at those last three weeks um, Jesus starts with sheep, he goes to a coin, 
ends with sons. They uh, basically, they, they increase in value. He starts with 100 to 1. 100 sheep, you lose one, you go find that, that sheep. Uh, it's a story about God searching for lost things, lost people. He goes to the second story, and the value increases because it's talking about silver coins now. And it goes from 100 to 1, and the second story goes from 10 to 1. And now we come to, I think, a pinnacle and the climax of these stories that the value increases exponentially because now it goes from 100 to 1 to 10 to 1, now 2 to 1 because we're talking about two sons and one father. We're talking about two sons who are in basically two different places in life, but I think they're both still lost. And so the first son, as we look at him, and we know this story, right? The, he goes and, and, and blows the uh, inheritance, the family inheritance that was coming to him. When he comes to his dad, he says, hey, listen, give me my inheritance, which is just like he could have said, I wish you were dead. It's almost like going to your dad and saying, I wish you were dead because whatever is going to come to me when you die, I want it now. And so it's like he's saying, I wish you were dead. And so he, the father says, okay, I'll give you what's your inheritance. I'll go ahead and, and give it to you. And the, the young man takes it, and he just goes to a far country, and he blows it. I mean, he just lives it up. He tries to gain friends. He tries to use it to gain some status, and he fails miserably. He's a miserable failure when it comes to the end of the money, and he's got nothing to show for it. He doesn't even have any friends to show for it. Right? He, didn't even, he didn't even gain any friendships out of it because nobody would give him anything. And the Bible says this. It said that he had to go hire himself out to someone from that country. And the word there it really means to glue yourself. And so basically he attached himself to someone. Now maybe you've had somebody like that uh, that's attached themselves to you and maybe you didn't really want them to do that. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody that just kept hanging out and hanging out and hanging out? You're trying to figure out, how do I get rid of this person, right? And, and so I think what you see in this story is that they come up with this idea. I said, listen, he's Jewish. It's like, let's get him to feed the pigs. He won't do that job. There's no way he'll do that job. And so, you know what? He'll quit. He'll go home. He'll leave us alone, right, because he's a bother to us. Nobody cared about him. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't care about this guy. And so they said, listen, we'll, we'll hire you on. We need you to go feed the pigs, thinking that he wouldn't take the job. He takes the job. He actually has gone to such a state in his life, and he's come to such a, a debasement that he says, I'll, I'll do whatever. And so they still have not given him anything other than, I'm going to hire you out. And he's failed at everything he's done. Everything that he's touched has come to waste. Everything that he's, he's touched has, has been squandered. And now he begins to think. He begins to think about what things used to be like in his dad's home. See, sometimes we give up what we want most for what we want now. Sometimes we give up what we need most for what we want now. How many of you have ever been there? That you've ever chosen second best because it was right now. It was closer in proximity. You didn't have to wait. See, we're not a, a, a bunch of people who like to wait on stuff. We are an instant gratification type of society. We want it now. And if we have to wait for it, well, I'd rather have what I can get now. And so for us, sometimes that's what we choose. We choose what we want now instead of what we need most. 
and he gave up what he needed most for what he could get now. He failed miserably. He wanted all these things, but actually, you know what? The things that he wanted, he never even realized uh, those things. He never really got what he wanted, and he was left destitute. He was left begging. He was left hanging out with the pigs and actually trying to eat pig slop. C.S. Lewis said it this way. I love how he says this. He says, idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. Idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. The things that we choose to worship other than God, the things that we choose to worship and, and make a priority in our life will eventually wind up defeating us and breaking us down and breaking our heart. It'll leave us empty-handed because we were meant for more. We were created for more, and sometimes we settle for so much less. This guy thought he knew what he wanted he thought he knew how to get what he wanted and now he's left destitute and he's left broken and he's left penniless and he's hanging out with the pigs and if you look at it basically he's shamed he's ashamed to go back because he says i can't go back home um uh, maybe my dad will hire me back maybe i can earn my way back into the family um because i just can't go back and be a son again there's shame with him see shame is always fueled by lies shame will say you can't go home shame will say god can't love you shame will say you can't ever be anything anymore look what you've done look you've gone too far shame is full fueled by lies we see this in genesis chapter 3 with adam and eve adam and eve what did they do they took of the fruit and ate of the fruit did something that god told them not to do and they thought that they were going to get something and they got something all right it wasn't what they they bargained for and then they wound up they they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed and they went and hid themselves and it took god coming after them because that's what shame does it lies to us and it tells us that we can't ever be anything, that we can't come home and we can't come back. See, but I, that's the story that you know. See, the other part of the story is the last part of the story. The son who ran away, and you think about this, it almost kind of compares to the first story. We talked about the first story of the sheep. What did the sheep do? The sheep ran away. The sheep was lost abroad. Where did the son go? The first son, the, the, the youngest son, he was lost. Where was he lost? He was lost abroad. He was in a far country. But the second story that Jesus told, he told the story about the lost coin. Where was the coin lost? The coin wasn't lost abroad. The coin was lost at home. And I think that's what we have to understand about this, this last story that Jesus tells. Not only was one son lost abroad like the sheep, but one son was lost at home just like the coin. That son was there, and he was, he was not there with the father's heart. He was there earning his way there. He was trying to check off all the boxes. This is what we do. The people who, some of us, we come to church all the time. We come to church, we come to church, we come to church. And what we try to do is we try to check off all the religious boxes. I've done this. I've given a dollar in the offering plate. You know, I, I have sang the songs. I have, I have done all my religious duties. Now, God, you need to love me because what we're trying to do is we're trying to earn God's love. And see, that's what the oldest son was trying to do. He was trying to earn the father's love, not realizing that he didn't have to do that. And so when we come to the end of the story, both sons are, have been in a lost state. And the father is trying to get them to understand, hey, I'm here. I want you not just to want me for my stuff. 
and want me for my things. I want you to want my heart. How many of our parents in here, that's what you really want. You want your kid to know your heart about them. See, that's what I want my boys. And I've got two sons. And when I read the story, I'm thinking, do my sons know my heart? I hope they do. I hope my boys know that I love them so much and they don't have to earn my love. See, I think the story tells uh, that Jesus tells here is, is interesting because I asked this question, why did the father let the son leave in the first place, right? He was dad. He could have said no. How many of you dads in here would have just said, nope, you're not doing that? That would have been my answer, yeah. I'm going to go do this, dad. I'm like, nope, you're not doing that. Put the car keys down, you're grounded. Go, go to your room. Right? Uh, he's got that power. The dad has the power. The father has the power to say, you're not going to do this. You're not getting the inheritance. I'm not giving you what you want. But in the story that Jesus tells, Jesus tells it in such a way where Jesus says, the father says, okay, if this is what you think you want, I'm going to let you have it. You know what? Sometimes God will let us run that, that road. Sometimes God will let us run that, that thing out. We'll run that, that story out just as far as it will go. You want to run away? Go ahead. My dad let my sister do that one time. My sister, she was, a, she was a teenager. She said, you know what? I'm just tired of all these rules. I'm tired of not being able to listen to the music that I want to listen to, wear the clothes that I want to wear, and go to the places that I want to go. And so I'm just going to run away. Now, I was, I was a little run at this time. I didn't know what was going on. But she decides, you know what? She just gets her stuff. She packs her bag, and she heads down the driveway. She gets to the end of the driveway, and she stops and realizes that's all that she had planned. <laughs> My mom was crying, oh! Jesse, go get her, go get her. Dad's like, just let her go. I want to see how far she's going to go. See, I think God is, is like that a lot of times too because he knows that at some point we're going to run out of our sufficiency. At some point we run out of our brilliance. Our skills run out, our talents run out, our money runs out, and we realize, what did I do? I ran away from the best thing and the best person ever. My sister didn't take her long before she turned around and walked right back up the driveway into the house. He said, can I come home? He says, yes, you can come home because he knew that was his daughter. He wasn't going to let her stay outside. And this dad in this story had two sons he wasn't going to let continue to be lost. And I asked that question, why did the father let him go in the first place? There was a thing that I was reading this past week, and it really kind of made sense to me. And this is attributed to Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, um, he said there are two different kinds of powers. There is a right-handed power and there is a left-handed power. The right-handed power is the kind of power that is uh, you get things done by force. You have the strength and you have the ability to make it happen because you have the biggest army, you have the biggest guns, you have the biggest muscles, you have the force to back it up. He says that's right-handed power. That's how a lot of, of people rule. That's how governments rule. They rule with force. And right-handed power is, is the kind of power that just says, I can get results. You may not always get a relationship, but you can get results. But see, left-handed power, I think, is the kind of power that what Jesus is modeling in this story, in this parable. That's actually what Jesus modeled with his life. Left-handed power is this. It is the kind of power that uses freedom, and it uses humility, and it uses suffering. 
Left-handed power is the power that is paradoxical power. It is the kind of power that doesn't look like power. It looks like weakness, and it looks like losing. But see, it takes great strength and love to use left-handed power. In Matthew 20, 25, I want to read this. And Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them who, who are the rulers of the gentiles the rulers are the gentile who ruled uh everything at that time it was caesar it was rome he says these guys they they lord it over you they let you know that they have the power they flex uh with um shields and swords and armies and horses and chariots they that's how they flex their muscles because they show their force he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Next verse. It shall not be so among you, but whosoever would be great among you must be your servant. It goes on and he says, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And then he goes and says this. He says, even. Next verse. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This right here is left-handed power. This is what the, the, the power of love that says, listen, I am willing to suffer. And this is what it looks like. This is what left-handed power, left-handed power looks like a baby in a manger that's sent to save the world. That's what left-handed power looks like. Left-handed power looks like the king of the world that allows his body to be put on a cross and nailed, and beaten, and bruised, and he dies there because he loves us. That's left-handed power. That's the kind of power that says, I'm going to give you the freedom to choose. I'm going to give you the freedom to run away. I could force you. And sometimes we've had that conversation. Why didn't God just, just make us love him? Because it would, it would taint the quality of love that came back. It wouldn't be love at all. It would be coercion. And so God gives us the freedom to run. And he says, through this left-handed power, I'm not just going to show you the rules. I want you to see the relationship that I'm willing to give out there for you. I'm willing to give you my heart. And this is the love of the Father. The love of the Father who is sitting there and he's looking for his son. Because the Bible says this, when he, he looks a long way down the road, he sees his son. You know what? He doesn't wait for his son to come to him. He doesn't wait and says, you need to come grovel. You need to come ask for forgiveness. You need to come and, and kiss my ring, right? He doesn't wait. He runs. And at that time, that was, it, was, it was not good for men of that, that stature. They didn't do that. It was below them. It was kind of a disgrace for an, uh, an older gentleman to run because they would kind of have to pick up their robe and show their legs, and nobody wants to see an old man's legs, right? But he picks up his robe. He didn't care. He didn't care who saw him. He lifted his robe and he ran to his son. There's a ceremony called the kazuza ceremony. And the kazuza ceremony means to cut off. And actually, a son who would have lived this way, the kazuza ceremony would have been done. And basically, he would have been cut off from his family and the community. And if he ever returned, the community would beat him within an inch of his life. And so you got to imagine that the father's looking for his son, 
And he wants everybody in the village, everyone who sees him, to know, I've not cut him off. I'm welcoming him home. I'm running. I'm willing to debase and disgrace myself to throw my arms around my child and pull them close and say, I'm so glad you're home. See, some of you know what that's like to come home. Some of you know what that's like to be gone and to have someone say, I'm glad you're home. Some of you want to know what it's like to be able to tell somebody that you've been gone too long. I'm so glad you're home. This is the heart of God. And the heart of God gives us freedom to make decisions and choices. And sometimes those decisions and choices that we make are destructive. But the intention of God is this, is for us not to just follow the rules, but for us to have relationship and to have his heart. And both of these sons, that's what he says. He says, listen, he says, you ran away, I'm bringing you home. I want you to be here. To the son who stayed, to the son who was just checking off the boxes, I'm, 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 here, I'm here all the time, and, and I'm doing everything that you wanted me to do. He's like, you don't have to earn my love. You get it anyways. You get it just for the simple fact that you're my child. I love you. See, that's how God thinks about us. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to communicate through this story. That we, don't, we can't earn it. You won't earn it. God's love is a free gift. And it's for every one of us. No matter if we've run away or if we stayed here and we've just been checking off religious boxes, he says, my goal is for you to know my heart. And that's what I invite you to know. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. See, this morning, I think there's some of us in here that we, we have this relationship with God and, and, and maybe it's, it's messed up in a way because we feel like we have to earn God's love you don't have to earn God's love he's calling you back he's calling you home actually I forgot I got a video I'm going to play real quick you knew that <laughs> there's a video there's a guy who gave a testimony his name is Hans and he, he, he comes to church here told me a few weeks ago, he said, listen, I want to give my testimony, even not knowing what we're going to be talking about. I didn't know this is where we were going, but when he sat down with me and we filmed his testimony, I began to say, man, this is amazing, and I wanted to share it with you, so can you play this testimony real quick? <laughs> 